plan that Christ would be the sacrifice for our sins, and I think it makes it that much more meaningful when we realize the planning that went into that gift and the fact that Jesus came knowing that he would die on the cross for our sins, and he knew what was going to happen, yet he did that because of his love for us, and we need to be thankful for that. This morning, I'd like you, as we start our lesson, to think about someone in your life who is strange, maybe someone who's just a little different. And someone who can't hide the fact that they're a little different, little, little, they're wired just a little different than everybody else. And everybody notices that, and we just, you know, you just sort of deal with that person. It's, they're just a little bit different than everybody else. They're a little, they're weird. They're strange. I had a professor in college who was like that. Happened to be a civil engineering professor. Taught my statics course. He was, he was weird. He, and everybody knew. I mean, you could tell it when he walked in the room. He was weird. He had something for the trash can. The trash can got on his nerves, and if it got, he got anywhere near the trash can and it got in his way, he just kicked the tra- can, trash can across the room. It was back in the days when we had the overhead projectors, you know, in every classroom, and it got on his nerves, and he would just get mad at it, and he'd push it out in the hall. One day he went out, and he went to the elevator. He put it on the elevator and sent it down to another floor to get it out of his way. He was, just, he was a weird guy. I'd like to say that that was my only weird professor in college, but most of them were a little bit weird like that. And I think that goes with the territory. You probably know people that are strange as well, and you could probably tell funny stories about some of the things that are done. This morning, I want to ask the question, are you strange? Are you different? Does everyone around you think that you're different than they are? And I'm not asking you to have it out with a trash can or do something like that. I want to tell you, the Bible tells us that we need to be different. We need to be different from the people that are around us and different in such a way that the people around us are noticing that. God has called us to be different such that others would look at us and know that they're not like me. God wants us to be strange. He wants us to be different. In the passage that Joseph just read for us, 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning of verse 3. For the time past of our lives may have sufficed us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. When we lived our old life, the old way we used to live, in our past life, we were living this way. We were living our way that fit in. Everybody thought we were like them. But now, notice it says, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot. They think it's strange. We used to be like everybody else. We used to fit in. And now we've changed. And people are noticing that and saying, something's different about him. Or something's different about her. They're not like us anymore. God wants us to quit being like the evil world around us and start being different. The time has come, Peter would say, for us to be different. And we need to be strange. And it isn't just like, well, we're different on the inside, but we don't want anybody to notice it. No, Peter says that that change... That transformation needs to be so much now that people will notice it. It's going to be observable. You can't hide it. People are going to think it's strange. We don't live like the world around us. We're different now. We're set apart. 
And Peter is saying here, you can't have it both ways. You can't be straddling the fence. You can't have one foot with the world and one foot with God. No, you've got to be different from the world so that they notice it. The question for us is, are we different? Christ died so that we could be different from the world. Do you understand that? As we think about Christ's sacrifice that we just remembered this morning, He hung on that cross, not so that we could just be like everybody else in the world. No, He hung on the cross so that we could be different, so that we could be strange. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, a people that are different from the world, that are set apart from the world, that are separated from the world. That's why Christ died on the cross, to purchase a people like that. Are we different? Think about something that you've purchased, maybe something that was expensive. You gave something of great value so you could get what you desired. Christ gave of himself because he wanted us to be different from the world. That's how important it was. But we have a problem. There's a problem in the psyche of people. And that problem is that we want to be like the people we're around. Nobody wants to stick out. Nobody wants to be different. Everybody in the room this morning has attributes and traits that are alike. We don't want to look like a freak or a weirdo. And it's interesting to me that when you see people who sort of want to be freaks or weirdos, those who people who want to be counterculture, they all look alike because even they want to fit in. People want to fit in. Nobody wants to stand out. And that's a challenge with us as we try to live like God wants us to live, like Christ wants us to live. In fact, that he purchased us so that we could be peculiar. Nobody wants to be like that. But we've got to be committed to being different. And so this morning, let's spend some time talking about how we could be strange. I want to ask the question, are you strange? And you know, as you think about things in this life, as you're trying to diagnose problems... Maybe you've got a health problem and you don't know what it is and you might go on the internet and you might find out, well, here are the symptoms that you would have if you have this problem. And you start to check them off. Well, yeah, I think maybe that's what I got. I got something I can't even pronounce, so that's what I got. And you go to the doctor and he doesn't agree with you and he says you need to get off Google. But this morning I want to talk to you about being strange and here are some, I would say, some warning signs and some characteristics that we can use to ask ourselves and evaluate ourselves, and that's the only one I can evaluate this morning is myself. Am I being the strange person that God wants me to be? Am I being different from the world? Am I being set apart from the world in my attitude towards God? Am I strange and different from the world in my attitude towards God? You know, the world around us has a lot of differing views about God that we need to be different from. A lot of people in the world today, and it seems like more and more people in the world today, are saying there is no God. 
They're saying that God doesn't exist. In fact, if you think that God exists, then you're some kind of uh, weirdo that lives under a rock somewhere because all intelligent people believe there is a God. The Bible tells us we've got to be different from that. Psalm 14, verse 1. Psalm 14, verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The Bible tells us we've got to be different. We've got to be different. There are people that are going to tell us that we're stupid, or that we're ignorant, or we're uneducated, or we're just willingly ignorant. We don't want to see the facts because there is no God. We've got to be different from that. I'll tell you, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Look at the world around you. Look at anything around you. Look at your kids and how they were formed with all of their intricate parts by God's design. Look at your vegetable garden. Look at that little seed that you planted in the ground that turned into that plant that is growing that produce for you. And nobody taught it how to do that. Look at the wildlife. Look at anything you want to look at. Look at the sun circling, or our, we're circling the sun and, and all of that. Think of how all of those intricate details. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. God wants us to be different from the people who are saying there is no God. But I'll tell you, there are a lot of people in the world today who say there are many gods. And it is the enlightened thing to, know, to think that there are many gods and there's good in every religion. And you can worship Jehovah God, or you can worship Buddha, or you can worship Earth, Mother, Mother Earth. You can pray to the trees. And that's the enlightened state, and you need to understand that there are many gods. But God says we've got to be different than that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6. There is one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. We've got to be different from those who say there are many gods. But getting closer to home, I want to tell you, we've got to be different than those who say there is one God in our attitude toward that one God and our respect for his authority in our lives. In Romans chapter 1, in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They knew God, they knew that one God, yet they didn't reverence Him as God. And that is true of so many people in our society today. God wants us to be strange. He wants us to be different in our attitude towards God and our respect for Him. And I want to tell you, there are people in the religious world today who claim to be Christians, who do not reverence and respect God like they should. They are disrespecting God and they're dishonoring God and they're blaspheming God inside church buildings right now across America because they're not honoring His authority. We've got to be different than that. God has called us to be different in our attitude towards Him. Ecclesiastes chapter 14, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's the attitude that we've got to have. And brethren, that attitude will make us weird. It'll make us strange. People in the denominational religious world today will call us weirdos for saying we have to keep God's commandments, that we have to follow and submit to His authority in every aspect of our lives. That's weird. 
they would say. Is that our attitude? Do we reverence Him like we should? Do we fear Him like we should? Do we keep His commandments like we should? We've got to have a different attitude than the world around us towards God. I want to tell you, we also have to have a different attitude towards God's Word. We've got to have a different attitude towards God's Word. You know, there are many attitudes towards God's Word in the world today. We've got to have a different attitude towards that. There are some in the religious world today who don't study God's Word at all. Acts chapter 17, verses 19 through 20. Acts chapter 17, verses 19 through 20. And they took him and brought him unto the Areopagus, saying, we may, may we know what this new doctrine is whereof you speak. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. The people in that day didn't understand God's word. They hadn't studied it. They didn't know it. It was strange to them. We're going to encounter people every day in our lives who think the Bible is strange because they don't study it. There are going to be people in our lives who think that God's Word can't be understood because they don't study it. There are going to be people that we encounter who don't know what the Bible says because they haven't studied it. Are we different than that? Are we different from the people around us? Do we study our Bible? Do we know what it says? Do we understand God's will for us? We've got to be different than that. We've got to be different from the world. We've got to be studying our Bibles. I want to tell you, there are some folks who study God's Word who don't respect it for what it is. They don't apply it in their lives. They know what it says, but they don't do it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Not only do we need to be studying God's Word, we need to be doing it. We need to be applying it in our lives. We need to be different. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, as we think about our attitude towards God's Word, we need to not be ashamed about what it teaches and the fact that we uphold what it teaches. Paul said, uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Maybe you're studying God's Word. Maybe you're doing God's Word in your life. But are you ashamed to tell other people about that? Are you ashamed to tell other people that you believe this and that you are following this in your life? Are you ashamed to tell other people that this is your standard for matters of morality? That this is your standard for matters of doctrine? Are you ashamed to tell people this? Or could you say what Paul says? You know, God wants us to be strange in our attitude about His Word. God also wants us to be strange in our priorities. God tells us that we're going to have to be different from the world around us in our priorities. And that difference is going to have to be visible. People are need to notice that my priorities are different than those around us. Think about the people that you come in contact with on a daily basis. What are their priorities? They express those priorities, don't they? In their conduct and in their speech. You can understand what their priorities are. And I want to tell you, the world around us, their priorities are not on things spiritual. Their priorities on, are on money and on possessions 
And how can they get more of them? Their priorities are on pleasure and hedonism and fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And if it feels good, that's what they want. Their desires and their priorities are on pleasures. These are the priorities of the world. And there's no hiding that. But these can't be our priorities in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, verse 29. And seek ye not what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye doubt of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. What's the world interested in? They're not interested in the things of God, are they? Now we live in an age of prosperity. And I don't know a lot of people in the area where we live, who are taking a lot of concern about what they can eat. We got more than that now, don't we? We could rewrite this passage to say, take you not thought of where you're going to go on vacation or how you're going to remodel the kitchen, what kind of new vehicle you're going to buy. We don't even, we're not even supposed to be worried about what we're supposed to eat. And yet many times we take those priorities much farther. What are we going to do for fun? What are we going to do about this life? Our priorities need to be different. Our priorities need to be different than those in the world. Are those priorities our priorities? Are they God's priorities? James chapter 2 verse 5. James chapter 2, verse 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which He hath promised to them that love Him? We live in an age of prosperity. I'm going to tell you, that ought to make every one of us very scared. The warnings against what prosperity can do to you spiritually are all over the Bible. They shift your priorities. Solomon said that he that loveth silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth inc- uh, abundance with increase. When you have stuff, you want more stuff. And God says we've got to be different in our priorities. Joshua 24, verse 15. Whoa, whoa that didn't work right. Joshua 24, verse 15. Joshua 24, verse 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua had the right attitude. Do we have that attitude? We're going to serve God. He's going to be first place in our lives. He's going to be first place in our families. He's going to be top of the list. Do we have that priority? You know, some of us recently had the opportunity to hear about Christians in Africa and their commitment to God in Africa. Now, they are poor in Africa, and they are very spiritually minded. You wonder why that might be? Then we just hear about how priorities and abundance can take our minds off of God. They're poor, and they're struggling in Africa. And there are no comfortable church buildings like this them to meet in. We saw pictures of Christians meeting under a tree, sitting on the ground to worship God. Now, I wonder what their priorities are. 
I don't have any doubt, do you? You think they're different from the world around them? Yeah, they're different. Am I different from the world around me? Is my priority on serving God or do I allow other things to get in the way of that? Do I allow other things to take precedent over serving God? Am I different from the world around me and my priorities? Quickly as we go on, I want you to ask the question this morning, are we different from the world around us in our lifestyle? Am I different than the world around me in my lifestyle? You know, we look really good here on Sunday. How do we look on Monday? Back when I was a kid, there was a little lake down the road from our house that we'd like to go catch fish in. The problem was that most of the fish we thought were out in the middle of the lake and they weren't near the shore where we wanted to fish. We needed to get out to those fish. Well, there was a kid from church that came over one Sunday afternoon and he had the solution to that problem. He had come across an inflatable raft that was just about big enough for him and he was going to go out there and get to those fish and we were excited about that. But every good fisherman knows you got to have an anchor. And so this 12 or 13 year old boy was puzzled about that. How's he going to get an anchor? Well, he had a bright idea. His mom was throwing away a gallon milk jug. And so he thought, you know, I could fill that up with water. And that jug is heavy. It's about eight pounds, isn't it? You fill that thing up with water and he brought it. He said, hey, I got an anchor. And he pulled that thing out. Well, that's a great idea. All you got to do is fill that jug up with water and you got yourself an anchor. Tie a rope onto that, throw it in and you're good. So he went out in the lake, we're out fishing, and he rows out to the middle of the lake, and we're watching in awe that he's out there with the fish, and it's time to throw out the anchor. And so he grabs the milk jug, rope tied onto it, throws it out into the lake, and it floats. And he's out there scratching his head. He takes his paddle, and he starts hitting, and he says, it won't sink. It won't sink. Why wouldn't it sink? Because the anchor was just like all the other water. It was water. He put water in the water and he hoped it would sink. And it's like that. We look really good when we're out on the shore. But when we get out into the world on Monday, we look just like the world because we're not any different. God wants us to be different. Are we different in our lifestyle? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God wants us to be different. He wants us to be separate from the world in how we live our lives. Can people tell that I'm a Christian by the way that I live? How about the way that I talk? Can people tell by the language that I use that I'm a Christian? You know, several years ago, I had a guy come up to me and start asking me if I knew somebody, another Christian. I said, yeah, I know him. I said, how do you know them? He said, well, I go to church with them. I just about lost my breath when he told me that. Because this guy used foul language and talked about things that he shouldn't be talking about, and yet he's a Christian, and now I know that, and it didn't line up with how he was talking. Are we guilty of that? How about the jokes that we tell? 
the things that we talk about. Do people know that I'm different because I don't engage in that kind of thing? How about the way that I dress? Do people know that I'm a Christian because of the way I dress? I want to tell you, in July, in Middle Tennessee, they ought to be able to tell that I'm a different person. I ought to be strange because everybody's taking off clothes and showing things that they shouldn't show. Am I going to be different? Are people going to be able to say, there's something wrong with him? Doesn't he know it's 95 degrees and 300% humidity? Why is he not uncovered? I've got to be different. That's what God wants me to be. Am I ashamed of that? We could go on and on and on. But I've got to be different. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Am I conformed to the world? And am I conforming to the world in my fashion and my dress? You know, I've used this illustration many times and so many times that the other day we were at the restaurant and one of the girls broke it off on me. But you can tell what a person's about by the way that they dress. We were at the restaurant, and it was the middle of the day, and some construction workers came in. I think it was Kate that said, hey, Dad, look, there's some painters. Well, they weren't painters, but they were construction workers, and she could tell by the way that they dressed. I want to tell you, when we go out in public, we ought to be different. we got to be different. Christ was different. Christ wasn't the most popular guy in the neighborhood. The folks in the PTA didn't think that Christ really had it going on. John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. It isn't going to be any different for us. Now, we can be popular, we can be loved, but we won't be Christ's disciples. You've got to choose. You can't have it both ways. We've got to be different. James 4, verse 4, You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. We've got to be different in our lifestyle. Finally, this morning, I want to tell you, we've got to be different in our destination. The world is living for here and now. The world has no hope of anything different. But brethren, if we're living like we should, we have a different destination, and that needs to frame and be a, a driver in every day of our life. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Nobody wants to be strange. Nobody wants to be different. But Jesus says there's not going to be many that go to heaven. If we're going to go to heaven, if we're going to be able to be with God, and with Jesus and the faithful throughout time, forever in heaven, we're going to be different than the world around us. Few are going to find it. And everybody can sign up for that. Everybody can say, yeah, I want to be different there. I don't want to go to hell with everybody else. If we're going to sign up for that, 
We've got to sign up for all the other things. This, these buttons are different. We're going to have to sign up for everything else that's on this list. We're going to have to have a different attitude towards God, a different attitude towards His Word, a different set of priorities, and a different lifestyle. Are you strange? God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Come out from the world, be different, be strange. That's what God has called us to. The question for us this morning is, are we being strange? If we're not a Christian, if we haven't submitted to God in baptism, we're not different. We need to be different. Or if we become a Christian, but we've started looking more and more like the world, we've become conformed to the world instead of being transformed, we need to make a change. We need to be different. That's what God wants for us. If we can help you this morning, will you let us know while we stand and sing?